Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Loki and Sylvie meet the timekeepers as my confidence in what's really happening feels like it's taken a ride in one of those things that shakes paint cans because, you know, my confidence is, well, it's been shaken. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast without glorious purpose. I'm your host. My name is Steven, but if you want to call me Sylvie, you'll have to buy me one of those headbands with the horns and everything first. Today is Thursday, which means yesterday was Wednesday, which means we have another episode of Loki to talk about. And frankly, the fact that I'm recording this episode on Wednesday means that I had a bit of a rough time with this entire sentence. But hey, we're here to talk about episode four of Loki, which was entitled The Nexus Event. It was written by Kate Heron, written by Eric Martin, and Wikipedia has this to say about it. On Lamentus One, Sylvie tells Loki she escaped the TVA when she was about to be arrested as a child. In the present, Renslayer informs Mobius about Hunter C-20's death in uncertain circumstances. Loki and Sylvie form a romantic bond, creating a branch timeline never seen by the TVA. Mobius rescues the two from Lamentis and has them both arrested, punishing Loki by leaving him in a time loop. Loki tells him that everyone working for the TVA are variants, which Mobius investigates, while Hunter B-15 takes Sylvie to Roxcart in 2050 to know the truth about herself. Both Mobius and B-15, now aware of their past, go ahead to resolve the situation. Mobius frees Loki from the loop, but is soon confronted by Renslayer and pruned. Loki and Sylvie are taken to the Timekeepers, accompanied by Renslayer and her Minutemen. Hunter B-15 intervenes, and in the ensuing fight, the Minutemen are pruned, while Renslayer is knocked unconscious by Sylvie, who destroys one of the Timekeepers, which turn out to be androids. Renslayer regains her consciousness and prunes Loki. Sylvie, in anger, demands the truth from Renslayer. In a mid credit scene, Loki awakens in an unknown realm surrounded by other Loki variants. Now, these Wikipedia descriptions just freaking crack me up. Obviously, it's just a synopsis. They're really not trying to get into the meat of what happened. Still, I just find them rather funny. So the episode opens with Sylvie as a little girl. She's Loki. She's on Asgard. She's playing with toys the way a little girl would. When TVA agents show up, led by Renslayer, who at that point is just one of the Minutemen or a hunter, 
They arrest her for crimes against the sacred timeline and they take her back to the TVA. It was very quite heartbreaking because, yes, granted, she's a freaking Asgardian and they're basically akin to gods and all that stuff. But she's still just a little girl. And to be in a room alone by yourself playing with toys only to have strangers step out of the air and snatch you up and take you to another world. That's got to be some scary stuff, right? Well, they take her before the judge and Sylvie pulls a fast one on him and she manages to grab Renslayer's tempad and she uses it to escape. There's kind of a pause there. Once Renslayer realizes that Sylvie has her tempad and she just watches her go and she doesn't seem to do anything. So maybe she, I don't know, she she might have been able to do something. Maybe this was them telling us that she let Sylvie go. And now she's, of course, paying for that mistake. We then go to the present and Renslayer is meeting with the timekeepers. And here was the moment where my confidence was just shaken, but not stirred. Sorry. Anyway, we see her in a room filled with smoke. We see the three timekeepers sitting on thrones in this room. They're shadowy. Their eyes are glowing. She's she's just finished speaking to them and she steps back onto the elevator and she seems shaken. When she exits the elevator, Mobius is waiting for her and she basically tells him under normal circumstances, visiting with the timekeepers, it's trying. It's uh, it's not easy on your brain and, and all that junk just to meet with the timekeepers, but to meet with them and report to them the failure of the two Lokis, Sylvie and Loki getting away. It was something a bit different. And again, she appears to be shaken. And so I am myself shaken. My confidence is because I've been saying all along, the timekeepers are fake. Renslayer is the big bad. She's the one that's behind it all. But now I'm starting to question it. Of course, we know just based on what I read from Wikipedia that they are fake. They're not real. We get that reveal later in the episode. And my confidence kind of shifts. And I start rethinking things. And we'll talk about that here in a bit. Let's just finish up talking about what happened in the episode. Mobius asks Renslayer about Hunter C-20 to see what she has said at this point. She was the one that Sylvie kidnapped and enchanted her to find out where to find the timekeepers. She used a memory in C-20's brain to project the two of them in this bar on Earth, and so by the time the other TVA agents find her, she has now realized that it's all a lie, that she was not created by the timekeepers, and that she's a variant, and that her timeline has been erased, and she kept saying to them that it's all real, it's all real, and Mobius wants to know what that means, but Renslayer tells him that C-20 died under mysterious circumstances. And he doesn't quite buy it. He's kind of really curious about that. He wants to know exactly what's going on. But Renslayer won't really tell him anything. Well, we go back to Loki and Sylvie. They're on Lamentus 1. They're each sitting on a rock waiting for their inevitable deaths. Sylvie makes a comment about Loki's always failing. Is that their legacy? That Loki's fail? And he says, no, Loki's survive. He says, I may have failed many times. But I've also survived and come back. 
every single time. And that's what Lokis do. And he kind of boosts her confidence a bit and she reaches out and she touches his hand. Well, as this is happening, Mobius and some of the other agents are back at the TVA and they are watching the timeline, waiting for something. They have they've done something where they can really focus in on branches in the timeline to the point that he even mentions that if somebody steps on a leaf that they weren't supposed to, it's going to it's going to show as as a branch. It's going to come up as an alert, which apparently they don't often look that deep. But knowing that Loki and Sylvie are hiding in an apocalypse, they need to really up their game because Nexus events aren't going to happen during an apocalypse. But when Sylvie reaches out and touches Loki's hand, there's a moment between them. And they say here on the Wikipedia that they form a romantic bond. And that might be the case. But I I just finished watching Heavy Spoilers. And that guy said that the showrunner of Loki recently came out this week and said that there is not a romantic connection between Loki and Sylvie. There's not going to be a romance between the two of them. So this could be more of the two of them connecting emotionally. Uh, there's a whole thing later in the episode where Loki is reminded over and over that he is alone and that he will always remain alone. He was born alone. He's going to die alone. He's always going to be alone. And maybe this is a moment where the, they, they've both always felt that way. And this is a moment where they both realize they're not alone, neither one. And whatever it is, whatever emotional connection the two of them feel, it creates a nexus event. Hence the title of the episode. And it creates a branch in the timeline that the TVA have never seen before. And that allows them to find them and arrest them. So in essence, saving them from certain death in this apocalypse on Lamentus 1. And the Wikipedia makes it sound like Mobius rescues the two from Lamentus. We don't see any of that. All we see is suddenly they're back stepping out of these portals onto into the TVA and they're they're cuffed. They have those collars around their necks. And they're both taken into their own time theater, which for the TVA is kind of like interrogation rooms in a police station. So the Wikipedia description goes from Mobius rescues them and punishes Loki by leaving him in a time loop. And then Loki tells him that everyone working for the TVA are variants. And, you know, they're really glossing over a lot of stuff here. So to punish Loki... Mobius has this time loop set up that they push Loki into. And it's a moment on Asgard, and it's kind of like a time loop memory. This isn't, you know, they 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 don't actually take him to this moment in time, because if they did, he would already be there. But in this moment, Loki is now in this air this outside area grotto type thing on Asgard, and Sif comes in holding a lock of her hair. He has apparently cut off a lock of her hair. She's very angry about it. She slaps him. She tells them that he is alone and he will always be alone. And then she kicks him in the jewels, well, knees him in the jewels and knocks him to the ground and then walks away. And Loki's all like, all right, okay, I can that I understand that was punishment, whatever, not a big deal. But then it happens again and he realizes he's now stuck in this loop. So over and over, Sif keeps coming in and telling him that he's alone. He's always going to be alone. She slaps him. She knees him in the jewels. She knocks him to the ground. Well, at some point he starts to he it's like he feels that the punishment part of this loop is the physical aspect 
the slapping and the the kneeing of the groin, the knocking to the ground or the punch. I think there's a punch in there. But at one point when the loop comes back around, he immediately stops her and he says, look, I understand what I did was wrong. I'm selfish. I do these things because I am acting out, trying to get attention. I am a narcissist and I apologize. And she seems to she seems to accept it. So she doesn't slap him. She doesn't kick him in the groin. She doesn't knock him to the ground. But she does before she walks out. She says, you are alone and you will always be alone. And that is when Loki realizes that's the actual punishment. The physical part he can take. It's hearing over and over and over the one thing that he's always thought about. And that's the fact that he is alone. And knowing now that in his true timeline, his mother dies that makes him feel even more alone because really probably the only, the only person that's ever been in his corner was his mother. And now he knows that she is, well, is going to die. And hearing this, that he's going to be alone over and over and over again is quite torturous. Well, Mobius steps in and pulls him out of the, the time loop and interrogates him some. And he tells, well, Loki asks him what he did with Sylvie. Well, this is the first time Mobius is hearing the name Sylvie being used for this other Loki variant, the the Lady Loki. And he offhandedly tells her that she's been pruned. She got rough with some of the agents and they had to prune her. She's dead. She's been wiped out of existence. And you can see this really affects Loki because now now he's being told the one thing that he's been dreading. He truly is alone in the universe and he tries to hide it. He tries to act like it's no big deal, but Mobius can see that it's affecting him and he admits that she is not dead and he got the desired result and he is taking Loki's reaction for a romantic entanglement, which he refers to as being sick. He says that's that's first class narcissism right there when the one person you find in all of the universe that you are in love with is yourself. That's classic, man. That's classic narcissism. Well, it's at this point that Loki tells him that the TVA are all variants. Mobius, of course, doesn't believe him. He thinks it's a last-ditch effort from Loki and just another and a long string of lies, and he puts him back in the time loop punishment. In the meantime, Hunter B-15, she's the one that originally arrested Loki. She was enchanted by Sylvie in the second episode for for a small amount of time. But it was enough that it gave her a look into her true past. And so now she's confused. She's walking around the TVA uh, f- with this feeling that there's something about her past that has been a lie. And she knows that Sylvie is the key to that. And she ends up going into uh, the the time theater where Sylvie is being held. And immediately, you know, she goes in by herself, shuts the door, immediately opens a portal grabs her they step through they're out on in in rock's cart which i believe was alabama in 2050 from episode two and she just tells her look i don't know what you did to me but i saw a part of my past i need to know if that is real or if it's a lie and sylvie tells her i cannot implant things into people's brains i can only access their memories and so b15 tells her show me the truth about myself and so she touches her enchants her opens up a memory in her head. We don't see what it is, but when it's over, B-15 says, I was happy. I was smiling. And she suddenly, and, and this is when she realizes that the TVA are all variants. Well, 
as this is happening, Mobius starts to, he starts to, you know, he, even though he pushed off Loki's announcement that the TVA were all variants, it, it did touch something in him. He's obviously been having some questions, especially with what happened with C20 dying suddenly and the way B15 had been acting since they, they came back from Rock's cart 2050. And so he goes to see Renslayer. He brings him, he brings her Loki's file. He got what he needed from Loki, case closed. She signs the paperwork. He signs the paperwork. She tells him that the timekeepers want to prune Loki and Sylvie themselves, and they want him to be present. And that's a great honor. And he's, 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 he feels very honored. And then Renslayer just starts asking him, if you could be at any point in time, if you could be anywhere at any point in time, where would you be? And of course he says, well, I could be in anywhere at any point in time. She goes, but you know, if you had your choice, if you go now, and this is, I think Renslayer subtly interrogating him. I think with what happened with C20, she's starting to worry that others might be remembering because again, I think she knows exactly what's going on. And I think she's asking him this question, thinking that if he says a certain era or a certain time at a certain place, and it happens to be on earth where he is from, during the time he is originally from, that she's going to know that there's stuff inside him. Maybe this is something that she's done before, and it's a clue to her that he's starting to remember things, and then she mind wipes him again. Maybe that's it's just a loop that the two of them have been into or through over and over. But he doesn't really want to answer the question. He gives her Sylvie's sword to add to her treasure or her trophy collection, and as she turns her back on him to place the sword on one of her shelves, he quickly replaces her Tim pad with his. Hers is sitting on the table. He snatches it up, puts his down in, in its place, and he puts hers in his pocket. And then he feigns exhaustion. You know, dealing with these Lokis has just got me so tired. I'm, I'm just going to go take a nap. And so she lets him go. And he goes immediately to the library and he looks up on her Tim pad the recording of Hunter C20's debrief and he sees basically she's there there's a recording of her saying it's all a lie we are not created by the timekeepers we are variants i was stolen from uh my timeline and it was pruned i don't have a home to go back to and blah 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 and then renslayer enters the picture and says we, we have to stop this and she stops the recording and that's when he realizes it's all true so he frees Loki from his time loop. He comes into the loop and he says, look, I believe you. Um, I think if, if you and Sylvie got together, whatever it is, this emotional connection between the two of you, I think if, if you, uh, get together, you know, and, uh, explore that, I don't know how he meant, you know, basically it's basically if the two get together and they hold hands and they emotionally connect while they're in the TVA, it could destroy everything. And that's what he wants because he realizes now that it's all a lie. And so when they step out of the time loop, Renslayer is there with some Minutemen and she prunes or one of the Minutemen prunes Mobius. So now Mobius is gone. That was very hard to see. Very emotional. Made me very angry. She then takes Sylvie. Well, she goes to she goes to get Sylvie out of her time theater and she finds that Sylvie is now all wet because when her and B-15 went to Rock's cart in 2050, they're, of course, in the middle of a hurricane and they were standing outside being rained on. And so she sees that Sylvie is wet and right away she's alerted that Sylvie must have left and come back. 
And she asks one of the TVA agents, one of the Minutemen, who was in here with her alone. And he says that B-15 wanted to see her. B-15 is nowhere around. So she's like, all right, we can't we can't wait anymore. And she takes Sylvie and Loki. They get on the elevator. They go up to see the timekeepers. B-15, as the timekeepers are basically shaking my confidence and looking very real and talking to Loki and Sylvie, B-15 steps off of the elevator. She um, hits a little button on her time on her temp pad. It disables Loki and Sylvie's collars and she tosses Sylvie her sword. A big fight commences. It says in the Wikipedia that that the Minutemen are pruned. I don't remember any of them being pruned. These staves that they have, these these nightsticks, basically, they have on one end the glowy part that if they touch somebody, it prunes them. It wipes them out of existence. But the other end is like a freaking bladed, pointy, sticky, you know, sharp stick thing. And from what I remember watching it this morning, I think they just killed the, the other Minutemen. There was no pruning involved. But they do knock out Renslayer. And so it's just Sylvie and Loki and the three timekeepers. And Sylvie throws one of these batons at the timekeeper who's in the middle. And it strikes his head and it just slices his head right off his body. His head rolls over to him and they pick it up and they realize it's a robot. It's a robot head. They were robots all along. And uh, that's when Renslayer wakes up. Well, Loki is about to tell. I think Loki is about to tell Sylvie that he's in love with her. Again, I don't know if there's going to be a romantic entanglement there. Again, the guy on Heavy Spoilers said that the showrunner of Loki came out this week and said there would be no romantic entanglements. But that may just be because they don't have time to do it. But it did seem very much like Loki was about to tell Sylvie that he was in love with her. But before he gets the chance to, Renslayer wakes up and prunes him. And again, I'm start, I'm getting very, it's like, how could they do, this is his show. How could they freaking kill him in the fourth episode, two episodes to go? And I start coming up with these, these ideas in my head. And it's like, well, technically it's called Loki. It doesn't have to be this Loki. This whole show could be about Sylvie for all I know. Well, Sylvie and Renslayer fight. Sylvie gains the upper hand. She is standing over Renslayer. She could prune her at any moment, but instead she demands to know the truth from Renslayer. She wants to know exactly what's going on. And that's when the credits roll. Now, there has not been a post-credit scene on this show so far. But a wise man once said on an episode of Half Hour Wasted that if you're watching these shows through a streaming service, and the picture never shrinks down to the little tiny picture in picture and shows you other options or other shows you could be watching, that means there's something that they still want you to watch. So I've been continuing to watch the credits until the screen shrinks down. And thank God I did because there was a, well, they call it a mid-credit scene because there are still more credits at the end. And we find that Loki is not dead. He wakes up and he's like, am I dead? Am I in hell? And somebody says, you will be. And then we see that Loki is um, above him, standing above him, are four other Loki variants. One is a black guy who's holding a hammer that doesn't look like Mjolnir, but could possibly be a variant of Mjolnir, meaning that this variant of Loki found himself worthy to be able to carry Mjolnir. One is a kid 
Loki, who is holding the third variant, which is like a freaking alligator with one of those Loki headbands on with the horns and everything. And then the fourth is old man Loki, played by the dude who I, I can't think of his name, Richard Parker, something like that. I don't remember his name. He's been in some stuff, though. And uh, the guy says, you know, you, you have to come with us, basically. Um, come with us if you want to live. And behind them, you can see that they are in a apocalyptic version of New York because you see Avengers Tower or Stark Tower and everything is in ruins, meaning that this might possibly be a version of New York that uh, got destroyed by the nuke during the first Avengers movie. Maybe Iron Man was not able to save New York. He was not able to push the nuke into the portal and New York got hit by a nuke. And that's where we're at. But that's where the episode ends. And I'm just I'm feeling more baffled than before. But it's in a good way. I mean, that post credit scene or that mid credit scene just had me drooling for more. And I, I I'm I wish the next episode was out, but I'm glad it's not because I like I like that feeling of, oh, I got to wait a whole week to find out what's going on. And then, you know, I, I know a lot of people like to binge that stuff, but I mentioned before when Sweet Tooth came on Netflix, I started watching it Friday night and was done Saturday morning. And then I just felt sad and empty because I didn't know when I was going to get more Sweet Tooth. And it ended on a cliffhanger. So that sucks. This ended on a cliffhanger, but I know I'm going to get some some resolution next week. I like that Disney Plus releases these episodes each week. All right. So let's, based on what we've learned in this episode, let's talk about theories and let's talk about where I stand and everything at this point. Are we actually going to see Kang in this show? I don't think so. I still believe that the big bad is someone we met in the first episode, which for me means Renslayer. Everybody's out there saying Kang is the big bad. And while I believe that, I, I don't... I don't think it's it's something we're necessarily going to see in the show. I mean, I am losing some confidence based on this episode that Renslayer is the big bad, or at least I did at the beginning. And then by the end, I'm starting to think that Renslayer is the big bad again. Uh, but honestly, I, I mean, if I'm being truly 100% honest with y'all, I have no idea what's going on. I mean, when she visited the timekeepers at the beginning of the episode, I was thinking at that point that she has no idea that none of this is real, that the timekeepers aren't real, and that maybe this show is partially her origin story. Maybe she discovers by the end the truth about the TVA, and that's what makes her go bad, and that eventually that path will lead her to Kang later on in Phase 5. But my thoughts on that changed by the end of the episode. I'm still, <sighs> I'm about 60% confident that she's the big bad all along. I think she discovered the truth about the TVA a long time ago. I think there were timekeepers. I think she killed them and had them replaced with with uh, androids. Or Kang is the big bad. Kang's behind it all. But it's sort of like Thanos in the first Avengers movie. Because in that movie, Loki was the villain, but Thanos was pulling the strings. So maybe what we'll learn by the end of this episode is that, or by the end of this series is that, Renslayer's the big bad. In these next two episodes, we're going to get more of Renslayer's backstory. We'll, we'll, we'll discover that she is the main villain of the piece, but we'll get hints of somebody pulling her strings. Maybe we're even going to get a post-credit scene at the end of the last episode 
where we see her approaching somebody in, sh- in, you know, in the shadows, you know, we see her, but whoever she's talking to is off camera or is in shadow or something. And she tells him, basically, the TVA is no more. I failed you, my Lord. And he responds back. The shadowy figure says, yes, I know. But do not fret, my dear. The fall of the TVA was always meant to happen. Now it is time for phase two. And that's when we get the reveal that she's speaking to Kang. They don't give him a name because I don't think when when they first revealed Thanos in phase one, I don't think they named him as Thanos until later. Maybe not even until the Avengers movie. But um, that's when we get this reveal that it's Kang. We fade to black. There's ominous music. And we get a caption that says Kang will return in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania or something like that. That's that's what I'm going to kind of that's what I'm sticking to at this point. I think I don't know. I just don't think that they're going to reveal Kang in the next two episodes as the big bad. I just don't think they're going to because, again, I fall back to that trope that if it's a mystery, if your villain is a mystery, then you've actually met the villain in chapter one. They're not going to just suddenly give you a uh, a. you know, as you granted, this is the I'm talking about a mystery genre, the a mystery book, a whodunit. You are introduced to the killer in the first chapter, and then it's your job as you read the rest of the book to determine who of these list of this list of suspects is your killer. Well, I think that goes the same for shows like this. I mean, it certainly was that way with WandaVision. Everybody thought the big bad was Mephisto, Mephisto, Mephisto. I say it wrong every time, but it was, well, in the end, it was freaking Wanda the whole time, but it was also Agatha the whole time. And we were introduced to both of them in the first episode. Falcon and Winter Soldier didn't really have a mystery villain. So revealing that Sharon Carter was a bad guy by the end of it. She was introduced fairly early on. I don't think if we, I don't think we saw her until maybe the second episode, but still, that wasn't, there wasn't a whole mystery there. There wasn't a whole, I mean, I guess with the whole, who is the power broker, but it wasn't, it's not quite the same as, as what we're dealing with here. So that's why I think it's Renslayer. I think she's the bad guy. She's been the bad guy the whole time. Maybe she's not the one who set up the TVA. Maybe she's not the one who made these Android freaking timekeepers. Uh, maybe it was her old man, Kang. But I think for the purposes of this story, she is the villain and Kang is pulling her strings. I just I don't think we're going to get Kang showing up in episode five or episode six being like, ha ha, I was the villain all along. Come, let us fight. Let us duke it out with fisticuffs. I don't think that's going to happen. All right. So that's it. That's the episode. That's that's uh, Loki episode four. Really enjoyed it much better than episode three, which was still a really good episode. But we we uh moved forward quite a bit in this episode. And and I just, good Lord, I can't imagine what's going to happen in episode five. But before I let y'all go, I wanted to invite everybody to join my mailing list. Now, this is something I've had for a while, but I kind of ignored it during the lockdown. But beginning Saturday, the 3rd of July, I'm bringing it back in a big way by sending out the first of my new weekly email newsletters to my mailing list. And I'm calling it the just another newsletter. Now, this newsletter will encompass more than just this podcast. In fact, I'm actually using it to try to get myself motivated to get back into writing. I'm not sure if everybody knows this, but I I have written and self-published 
three books over the last few years, Holiday's Gold, The Adventures of Norman, Oklahoma, Volume 1, and Then a Penguin Walked In and Other Tall Tales. That last book was released in September of 2019. And honestly, once the lockdown hit, this writer's block just slammed this great big old wall right into the middle of my head. And I've had trouble writing ever since. The newsletter, however, I'm trying to use as an opportunity to get back into the writing by forcing me to write something each week. So if you sign up for the newsletter, what you're going to get is each Saturday, you're going to get an email in which I talk about writing or podcasting or both. Uh, I may talk about also what I'm reading or watching or what I'm listening to. And you'll also be able to find where you can get all my stuff each week. It'll it'll have whatever podcasts I've released or anything that I've put up around the web as far as stuff I've posted on my blog or, or that kind of junk. I'm also going to try to write an original piece every week. It could be fiction or it could just be my thoughts on life. But that one piece I'm also going to publish on my blog as as something called the Saturday Morning Post, which will go up every Saturday morning. And so now at this point, you're probably asking yourself, how do I get to be a part of this newsletter and where the heck is this blog? Well, the links for both will be in the show notes. You can sign up for the newsletter by going to list.justanotherfanboy.com and you can visit the blog at stephenrorr.com. Again, both of these links will be in the show notes, so you can just tippity-tap. And here's the thing. If you sign up for the newsletter, I'm going to send you a free electronic copy of The Adventures of Norman, Oklahoma, Volume 1. And you can unsubscribe to the email anytime, but you're still going to get to keep that book. That's pretty cool. But that's it. There you go. That's my pitch. That's all I've got to say. The next episode of Just Another Fanboy lands on Tuesday, July 9th. And I don't really want to tell you what it's going to be about because, frankly, I'm not really all that sure myself. So until then, I'm Steven, and I'm Just Another Fanboy. Be nice to each other. Get your very own Be Nice to Each Other t-shirt now at shop.justanotherfanboy.com. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job. (laughs) Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if If you don't win your first bet, bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.